I've got exciting news. We've got sticker merch. Mouthful with Shanti brings you captivating conversations that cut through the bullshit while laughing about it. We elevate marginalized voices. We shoot the shit. We have a good time. Support this very free podcast and its production costs by donating to my Venmo at Shanti Charan, S-H-A-N-T-I-C-H-A-R-A-N. DM me your address after you Venmo. I will mail you one of our new stickers. Thank you again for your support. On today's episode, I have a conversation that rests at the intersection of drugs, sex, and gay culture. My guest is author of Tweaker World, a memoir, and one of BuzzFeed's most anticipated LGBTQ plus books of 2023, Jason Yamas. On this episode, Jason educates us on the growing epidemic of crystal meth addiction and overdose that is disproportionately impacting the queer community. So here we go. I feel like I'm fangirling just a little bit because I'm listening to your book. And and it's so funny because that's a term I use now through, I say listening to a book, but I'm listening to your book right now and your voice Mm -hmm. and you telling me about like your life. And I have, I'm on chapter 31 right now, so I haven't finished it. Mm -hmm. So I I was really trying to get to the end, but also um, if you say anything that has to do with the end of it, I'm, I'm, I welcome that as well. Of course. Yeah. um, Please, I guess, please introduce us to what brought you about to writing this book. Sure. So I was working as a media producer in Los Angeles. Uh, and I had studied acting at undergrad at NYU. Uh, I got into production because oh, a myriad reasons. I, I was nervous about auditioning, you know, and make, being that vulnerable person um, and, re- and rejection and all, all mm-hmm. of those things. And I thought, oh, if I put myself behind the camera, uh, I'll, I'll produce movies and then I'll be able to put myself in them. Yeah. And, and then, of course, you know, time goes by and, and then you, you take jobs that are, are uh, helping your bank account instead of, mm-hmm. of being able to give you that uh, artistic pursuit. So uh, I got, got stuck doing that. And, um, and I found myself in an Adderall addiction. I was never one of those kids in college. I studied acting. So I was not one of those kids who had to stay up late cramming for tests and, and experimented with Adderall like I think a lot of kids in yeah. university do. So that was not me. So I didn't really get into it until my late twenties, uh, and just so I could have long days on set, and then and then back at the editing suite, and uh, and then it just I loved the how it gave me the ability to do so much, and yeah. uh, I've always been a bit of a perfectionist. Yeah. Uh, so When's your birthday? November third. I'm a Scorpio. Okay. I'm I'm a Virgo, and oh. but I've I don't know much about signs, but I've heard perfection. Virgos yeah. are perfectionists. That is true. Because I can very I relate. I love being efficient. Yeah. I, it turns me on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, look at how much shit I got done totally. today. Totally. And that, can I get more shit that's, done? And exactly. <laughs> so so I was like, oh well, if 15 milligrams of Adderall can get me you know there, then how about 30? And it just yeah. it snowballed from yeah. there, and and then. And I found myself two and a half years into an Adderall addiction doing 120 milligrams of Adderall a day, which is just an exorbitant amount. You know, mm-hmm. I was drinking Negronis at 4 p.m. out of my Nalgene to start, like, leveling out. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and then I ran out. I ran out. The prescription ran out. The people that were s- selling me supplemental pills yeah. weren't able to get it for me. And I had read this article uh, on Facebook. Uh, it was written by a pediatrician that was written to sway parents away from giving their children Adderall, uh, prescribing them amphetamines, and was ultimately arguing like, you know, this is basically the same thing as crystal meth. Like, yeah. you're giving your kids just meth in pill form. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it was obviously not meant 
meant for the purpose that I read it with, which was like, oh, well, if it's the same thing, I could just get crystal meth because what I had known of gay culture and grinder culture, hookup culture, these apps that that allow, uh, you know, sex uh, to to happen at any day, anytime, anywhere, Um, any country, you you name it. Uh, So what I had known about being a Californian at that point uh, and a gay Californian on these apps is that people are advertising crystal meth, party and play, they call it. PMP yeah, yeah. Is, the, is the term. Um, it's become a real staple of a certain subculture within mm-hmm. gay communities. Mm-hmm. My ex, who I was with when I was an Adderall addict, uh, and I used to make fun of people that did it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, they were the black sheep of the gay community. The, those, yeah. those that would uh, stoop so low as to become, you know, gross meth mm-hmm. addicts, and and we really judged them. Uh, but uh, then I was like, well, I'm out of Adderall, and I need something to keep me going. Yeah. My boyfriend at the time, his partner, or sorry, his mother had just passed away. Mm-hmm. There was like a lot being demanded of me personally and professionally, and I was like, there's no fucking way I'm going to get through all of this yeah. sober at when I'm used to functioning at these high levels due to these amphetamines. So I went on to Grinder. I bought myself some meth. To be fair, it was not the first time I had tried it. I had, yeah. I had dabbled with it, but I had never used it for this purpose uh, as a replacement for Adderall. And I got really into it. Uh, it, it, it helped. And then uh, it spiraled from there. I did, was not ready to give it up. Then, yeah. then I started, uh, my partner found me smoking meth one morning uh, in my car when we were supposed to fly out to Chicago to help um, handle his the arrangements after his mother had passed. Yeah. And, and that... That kind of devastation ended ended my life as I knew it. I mean, it ended my relationship. It ended my occupation at the time. I was even the way you described it in the book when you came back to the apartment and the things were gone yeah. and it was yeah. like, yep. He kicked me out of the apartment. I came yeah. back a few days later. He had taken the pictures out of frames. Yeah. He had taken all the clothes that were his, besides any of the clothing as items if that I had given. He was never there. Him. You as said if you were never there. Just like wiped away. And and that's what it feels like. As I really haven't spoken to him since. Yeah. I've tried. I've sent him apology, uh, an apology letter. Mm-hmm. You know, I. I think uh, I wore him down. Um, yeah. it's, it's sad because, honestly, I think he would <laughs> probably very much enjoy the person I am now. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, right, what are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, those chapters, right? The people that enter and then uh, leave our, our chapters as they do. That's absolutely right, yes. Um, but that's what, that's what got me into crystal meth. And then it just spiraled from mm-hmm. there. That one, then I started dabbling in the party and play culture, which is a combination of crystal meth with often anonymous group sexual scenarios uh, that incorporate other drugs that uh, you had asked me about when I arrived today about G. Uh, G is another one of the drugs that's that's combined in this in these kinds of settings. Um, uh, Other. So what is G exactly? Okay. G is, it's technically a depressant. Uh, People have called it the date rape drug. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is a solvent, a liquid solvent. Uh, GHB is how it's most commonly referred to. Mm -hmm. Um, GBL, however, is the purest form of it. You can't even purchase it in America. They've made it they've made it illegal to purchase here. You have to order it from abroad. Wow. Uh, like countries like Poland and China and Korea will sell it. Uh, to be able to get it in bulk here, you need like a janitorial license or like to own a cleaning company. Wow. Um, 
And but for PNP, they were able to get all of it. Well, this. because people like me were illegally importing it. <laughs> uh, people, well, people like me before before me was me. Uh, but yes, dealers and and such, we we found uh, sneaky ways of getting it uh, across customs and stuff like that. And then they'll mix it with lye and other things to be able to uh, make it more plentiful. And that's and that's once you mix it with lye, it becomes GHB, which is the more commonly uh, utilized form of it that you would hear about in other cities. GBL, for some reason, the purest form is really only found in San Francisco for the yeah. most part. It's, it's mostly done there. Um, and if you do like, like a little two milliliter dose, you have to mix it with a, a sugary or, or solvent, usually, or sorry, mm -hmm. a sugary beverage usually to, uh, because it is just like the most acrid flavor you could yeah. ever imagine. And moreover, it, it, is like hydrochloric acid, like this this wooden table between yeah. us here. Like if I were to spill GBL on it, it would just eat away. At oh the wow! Table. And meanwhile, the gay guys be like putting two two milliliters of that in, uh, you know, down their throats. Yeah, it's crazy. So that's why you have to mix it because otherwise it will just like tear yeah. away your esophagus. Yeah. But imagine that. That's what this this kind of poison is like. What we're putting in our throats. They order it um, to take graffiti off walls. Yeah. It's been used to like take blood off highways. Like that's what we're talking about. Have you felt any difference in your in your throat or how you could use it uh, after? You're not the first person to ask that. And strangely, I, d I don't think I suffered any long-term effects in that way, physical mm -hmm. effects in that way, thank yeah. God. But I definitely had a few moments where I dosed myself without thinking about mixing it. Yeah. Um, and and I thought yeah. I was going to die. Like, oh my unable God, I'm to breathe. sorry. You felt that pain. Yeah, it was crazy. But, but the reason people do it is because it is the most pleasure of any drug yeah. You could ever imagine, and I'm not. I'm not advertising in that way because yeah. you read my book, you will see the more destruction and mayhem stemmed from my G use than the crystal, the or the sleep deprivation or anything else. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was in multiple car accidents because I was on driving on G. And the thing about G is, it's yes, it's the most pleasure you've ever had, but you sit on the brink of uh, unconsciousness mm -hmm. without even realizing it, like with alcohol. It, you'll be drinking, drinking, and and you may start to fade, and your faculties will will slowly lessen, and you will know when you're going to perhaps pass out. Yeah. But with G, you could be up talking at a million miles per hour, and then just boom, fall out. They call it. And that's what I heard you talk about a lot at these PNPs, or are they referred at a PNP? They call this. They always call it a party. Like, how do I use or, this or word? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, PNP is uh, is like the overarching term. So at uh, these parties, yeah, parties and where you're playing, mm -hmm. I heard you talk about a lot where people were just falling out, and it just so yeah. like in regards to sex and when you're doing it, could you pass out like while? Fucking? Yeah, it would happen. And uh, I address that in the book because ultimately what it is when people would pass out and somebody yeah. would continue to fuck them, like we, the word is rape. Like yeah. that is plain and simple what it was, but it didn't. And I had that happen to me where I would wake up from a, a, a G overdose and have somebody inside of me and realize like, well, this is a mixture of things. Like one, I, 
I didn't tell them that they couldn't fuck me. But wait, is yeah. the onus on me? Like it become there's there's this this yeah. haze that's formed from the bilateral uh, drug use. Yeah, and like the, the we're all consenting in the use of it. But where does the line of consent get drawn? I uh, felt that part. I think it was like around chapter nineteen ish yeah, or something. You were talking, and, I, and it was the tourists. There were some tourists uh, yeah. that were involved, and so it's not even like you can find them after after you come to you know like i felt very you know i felt for you in that and in, in that part of the book I just um passing out and then people still continuing on and you know yeah i it was it was really troubling to witness uh there is i do document one individual who ended up getting arrested mm -hmm. uh because so many people went to the police he was he was purposefully overdosing people purposefully yeah. wanting you know his fetish was to have sex with them after yeah. they were passed out and and couldn't give consent and to film it so there was all kinds of documentation God, how scary of it. that people know, so are dark. infiltrating so these spaces like that uh yeah and and more infiltrating some you know sometimes it's not just a nefarious individual that infiltrates the space but the meth is tricky like you know ugh. i was having this conversation this morning like of what's the difference between cocaine and crystal mm -hmm. like people that when cocaine make shitty decisions and they lie and they steal and they cheat just like people on crystal meth but there is something uh in the chemistry of the way crystal affects certain individuals mm -hmm. that turns them evil yeah. Uh, it turns them into people who make these these decisions that they just never would have otherwise. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so I you know I wonder like is are, have they always been predators or did the extended use unearth something in them? Yeah. Uh, so it's it's an ongoing that's an ongoing curiosity so of mine. So I guess I'm wondering then um, just to drag just to go a little off topic. So my job I adjunct at. Uh, local uh, jails and mm -hmm. uh, teaching college level courses to people who are incarcerated. Yeah. So when they get out, hopefully their chances of recidivism decrease. Yes. Um, a lot of my students in in there's different levels of security, different dorms. I'm in a low lower security level. A lot of people deal with addiction in that space, and and meth hits all different types of communities and people. It's not what for people that are. I guess struggling with figuring out a path on how to wean off or how to, you know, because uh, they all have said something similar. Is like when they're on it, these types of actions, it's like uncontrollable. You don't know the extent mm -hmm. of things. I guess what helped you, um, what helped you, I guess, heal in that way and escape that? I, I was lucky in the fact that I had a family to be able to escape to. Mm -hmm. uh, I was able to leave the West Coast. The West is so much more pervasive over here. Not to say that it mm -hmm. isn't everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's in Europe. It's in other countries. It's it's definitely in the Midwest, but it's uh, but California, it's just hyper-concentrated. So yeah. getting out of San Francisco and the Bay Area for a while, uh, yeah. even Los Angeles, where it's pretty pervasive as well, uh, I moved back to the Philadelphia area where I grew up not at all a city that I that I love or that nurtures my yeah. creativity. Uh, I didn't really have a, an artistic community there like mm -hmm. I do in, in other places, but I just knew it was the right move to be. Uh, pe you know, people, places, things is, is like the, the adage that yeah. a lot of recovery groups um, express that that's you want to get away from the people and the places and the things uh, that were associated with your addiction and your use. Mm -hmm. um, so... 
that was the most helpful for me, just um, getting away from it all physically. Does uh, your mom live in Philadelphia? She does, yeah. Mom, okay. uncle, dad. My dad did. He recently moved. But uh, And my brother was there during the pandemic. He lived with me. Uh, I, so I just being accountable to other people. Yeah. Uh, how it, did her being, because I found that relationship very interesting, um, how you describe your relationship with your mom throughout yeah. the book. Um, at one point, <clears throat> you have you say something along the lines of how, you know, her being around could be so frustrating, but also you don't want her to not be around. Exactly. You know that. Can't wait for her to leave, and I wish she never would. <laughs> yeah, and and sometimes I know, you know, I can't say I've never I've never felt that. You know, I've uh -huh. I've you know relationships with her mom. So I guess I'm wondering because. You talk. You mentioned how she practices different forms of um, spirituality, yeah, and healing, Yoga, and Qigong, but yeah. also her her criticism. She seems to be very critical uh, at times of like certain things. Yeah, she's which very my mother is also. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I she's definitely a mom. connected. She's an Italian American mom. I mean, yeah, she's, yeah. She's uh, and like very Type A uh, for somebody who's so Zen. It's it's so yeah. funny. How do you feel like her being around with her spirituality and her? wonderful mom uh criticalness but lovingness how I has mean, that helped you it, in that time yeah yeah she she was the perfect mom to to yeah. escape to uh, you know she she was the type that like will be like you are out of your fucking mind Jeez. you know like <laughs> she'll like tell you straight up but then also be like you're joining me for yoga right like, <laughs> just like the, to have that duality um is is uh, Honestly, what an addict needs to, yeah. in, on the other side of this all. I was very lucky. You know, I have I had friends um, who didn't have that, and and they had to find other other angles uh, and other support systems. Uh, you know, my one friend, a character later in the book named Harry, his mom is an ongoing meth addict. So mm -hmm. uh, he struggled. He would want to see his mother in sobriety, but it would be super triggering for him. And it's uh, uh, like mm -hmm. that's that just keeps the cycle of pain going you know and it makes it even harder for him to stay clean and in fact he's relapsed 12 times since uh, we both got clean together back yeah. in 2017 so it relapses so fucking common it's especially with crystal because uh the way that the I, I'm, I'm no scientist here, but uh, but uh, my understanding is that the the way that the dopamine works, getting off of crystal meth, there is there's always this pink cloud uh, era that lasts like three to six months, mm. and you feel so good about making all the right decisions and getting healthy finally, and your brain chemistry starts to shift, mm -hmm. but then it levels out. Like the dopamine rush from getting clean is not replacing the dopamine rush mm. that you were getting from the chemicals, and that's often when people will. And then get life is back also. In starting to settle in yes. the optimism is yes. difficult to maintain yes uh, that's mm. so it's 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 tough it's tough to stay on this side of things and that's why a lot of people you know i'm not somebody who does the 12 steps yeah. um it wasn't for me I, I certainly leaned on recovery meetings in the early days mm -hmm. um but I know a lot of people that, that like are diehard. You know, that they go to meeting five meetings a week. Um, you know, talk to their sponsor every day, and bless their heart. Like I, I, I know that that system works. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you've had a, several relapses, I think, you know, it's probably even more uh, needed the support system sure. and the accountability of showing up and mm -hmm. going there. 
Well, yeah. But I also get a lot of a lot of people that are in the program that look at me and they, when they hear that I don't do it and they and I can tell there's like an air of like, well, it's just about time. You know, it's only a matter of time till till he goes. Yeah. You know, till he. Oh. <laughs> so um, a little judgy of your path. You know, the yeah. path to being clean and sober is not monolithic. No, you it's know? not. It's not. And so if that works for you, that is great. Yeah. Um, but so this was a long tangent, but to go yeah. back to the parties that we were talking mm -hmm. about, one thing that shocked me were cameras being around. It was as if it could be like Zoom sex parties from all around the world. And you yes. can just be at a sex party and you're like, look at them having an orgy in Italy. So, yes. Or, you know? uh, let me, let me uh, Are people signing that, so... papers? I'd be terrified. No, no, there's no, there's no NDAs. There's it's no... like everyone can see my butthole from around the world. Literally, like it's a butthole. It's an international global butthole show. It, it really is. It really is. So um, to explain that, there's a chapter where I go into how on Zoom. So everybody knows Zoom now because mm -hmm. of the COVID. But mm -hmm. before that, back in 2016, when I was in Tweaker World, if you will, uh... I had only heard of Zoom for the very first time. It was only really being used by uh, by certain companies that had uh, business meetings all, or, you know, around the globe or whatever. Because uh, you could put 40, yeah, we 80 get people. Something else, but yeah, business yeah. meetings. Yeah, so people, people, people would, they would have sex parties uh, on Zoom and you'd have Zoom running and you'd have to go into like a Google Plus. There was like this, this defunct Google social media uh, site. You go go into Google Plus to find what the name of the Zoom room and the passcode was. It was like all this coded language to be able yeah. to just figure it out. And then you'd be in this Zoom room and there would be sex parties, meth sex parties from around the world. Be like, oh, that guy's in Thailand. And then there would be, often there would be like six or seven of them from San Francisco. So you'd be like, oh, it's my roommate. Like, oh, my roommate's over at Todd's house. You know, like, <laughs> like, uh, and, and, like I, would, I came home one day uh, and my roommate was like, yeah, it looked like you were getting fucked uh, when you passed out. Did you know that? Like, I'm like you were watching. <laughs> oh, my, oh my, and it's then. absurd. See, right now it's like, oh my God. And then what did I witness and how, but I guess I would love to have, you know, I guess I'm just, it's admirable. Be able to freely fuck like that. Like everyone's watching. Yeah, you know? there, there is there is something admirable about it. Uh, it's excessive. And and I think it stems from the, the pendulum effect of like a lot of these individuals mm. feel stagnant. My, sorry, I'm running on a little, very little caffeine. I get what it. What is the word I'm looking for? Stag Stagnated? Stagnated. That is the word. Yes, thank you. Uh, by uh, sexual trauma, by yeah. rejection, by uh, shame, whether it's growing up in a religious setting mm -hmm. where they've been told by their community or their family that who they are and what they want and what turns them on is inherently wrong. And, uh, you know, people that have... That have uh, gotten HIV and they have shame around around that or people that have suffered uh, horrible rejection it, it, it turns into uh, this desire to go to the other end of the spectrum like yeah. uh, I, I want to be able to have the most amount of sex the most yeah. brutal sex like with the most amount of guys and then it just yeah the pendulum effect is wild uh, so then let's move to monetizing this sure. uh -huh. you know and how not that that sounds so cruel monetizing no, 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 it, but mean. you know being able to see this community and being like i want to be who Supplies. you became yeah. in tweaker world so yeah so uh, what you're alluding to is in the book i start as uh you know uh an addict and i move into becoming a drug dealer at, who 
grows to become a very large drug dealer. Businessman. A businessman. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> with with all of the glorious faults, you haven't gotten to all the parts where, where it all falls apart. Oh yet. my God. You know, and um, I'm okay if you tell me anything because right now, out of the horse's mouth, this yeah, is yeah, like the best. Sure. It's like. For sure. Um, so I, I got into it because it's just like the way my brain works. I was like, well, I'm buying all this meth anyway. Uh, and like, friends want some from like they're always asking if they can like get a 10 sack from me anyway like yeah. when i'm when i'm at the sex party i may as well just see if i can buy more so i went, went to my dealer i was like instead of buying an eighth can i buy an ounce or well yeah. can i buy an ounce for the price that you sell it to your dealers for and then and so i ended up becoming actually a driver for a few drug dealers because i i I remember for Xander was his right. name, I think. Yeah, yes. which I thought was kind of a, a an adorable. It's 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 a cute relationship. Like I get he. It seems like he's not you know your friend at that time, but he's teaching you things and you're learning yes, stuff. Yes, he's like and, taking me under his wing. Yeah, and showing me the ropes of, yeah. of what it is to be a drug dealer. He definitely saw me in him a bit, and uh, <laughs> we're you know we're still friends. Yeah, I was uh, just gonna ask he, are these real names that you use. So no, okay. uh, he his name. Is his legal and you don't name. have to share also. His legal name is not, and I'm not going okay. to. Uh, and his legal name is not Xander, uh, but he did go by Xander, and he was a bit annoyed with me that I used Xander. Yeah. Uh, so he asked me to change it, you know, if and when I turned it into a TV show, fingers crossed. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so we're going to change it for the show. But uh, Xander went to prison. He got raided and uh, arrested uh, a couple months after I left. In fact, wow. a lot of people. People got raided after I left and went to rehab. I, I've got my theories around that. Yeah. But um, he he served six years, I believe, and then now he's serving the remaining three years on wow. house arrest mm -hmm. at his mother's. He is okay, and he has read my book, and uh, I told him he should write his own, and I told him I would help him uh, edit it and and try to get him a literary agent if he does, because he's on, we wrote a little bit while he was in prison, and he is a better writer than I am, uh, to be honest. Like, he, he, I say in the book, like, he's yeah. one of the most sophisticated, magnetic individuals, and mm -hmm. he, he really is that, and I, I, I'm just in awe of him, even, uh, and, and, the perspective that he has on it all now. Um, like he even texted me when I went to my San Francisco event and was like, just remember, you're not that person anymore. Like he's like yeah. giving me like these, these uh, words of wisdom. Um, but yeah, so I detected that it could have been a friendship early on, but your friendship gets clouded in, yeah. in the, in this world of addiction and crime. And, uh, and it certainly did with me and him, you know, by the end, I think that he's a plant and all, uh, by the cops and, yeah. uh, and I don't trust him at all. And, uh, but, uh, you know, on this other, on the other side of it, we've been able to find another friendship again. Um, and that is really great that he's still able to share wisdom because yeah. so far where I'm in the book, he, he, uh, he is sharing wisdom, and, and it's it's nice that he looks out for certain things. Like, at one point, I forgot his name. Maybe it was Tomas, the the guy. The identity uh, thief. Yeah, and yeah. You, you were like, we should go to the cops. And then he was like, well, you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah, and then you, I was like, you thank could, you, you, Xander. Yeah, exactly. like, Very that. So that's great that he has been able to um, – shares wisdom with you in these different chapters. Of yeah, for sure. So, but the crime aspect, I got into it because, um, uh, well, there's, there's, there's the reason that seemed obvious then, and then there's a retrospective reason. The retrospective reason is because 
I still, I never felt like I had a gay community. I, I was always looking for acceptance and, uh, and inclusivity. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of finding that with, with using it, with using the drugs and being in the world of addiction. But the popularity that comes with being a dealer yeah. is is a whole other thing. And also I needed I couldn't be somebody who was just like sitting around using all day. I wanted to I wanted to be useful. I wanted to be popular. I wanted to be needed. Yeah. That's honestly what it comes down to is wanting to be needed. Yeah. Uh, and by having the best price meth in the and the and the most amount of G in the city, yeah. um, it certainly created this whole uh, universe for me where I, I really, I mean, my narcissism was was hitting brand new peaks. I mean, I, I would walk around that city, walking around the Tenderloin with like my backpack on with $20,000 in it oh and, and like three pounds of meth and not and like not a fear in the world. Like you want to fuck with God. me, I will fuck you up. Like it just, in my head, I didn't have a gun or anything. Yeah. I, you know, like I, didn't, I wasn't a violent person, yeah, but like yeah. I was... That's that's just like the 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 wonder of these chemicals. It really yeah. numbs you from having any sort of realistic perspective. Mm -hmm. I was walking around the Tenderloin in January. I had twenty dollars in my pocket. I was terrified. <laughs> I was like, these these somebody's gonna beat me up right now. Um, uh, so it really it really was just about um, finding a community. At at the very at the core, it was it was about finding friends. Mm -hmm. uh, even though it, they were all transactional relationships, it didn't feel that way in the moment. Um, and and then also, I'm just like super. I'm a super ambitious person, you know. Yeah. I, I I wanted to, once I got into it, I was like, well, I have to do the the biggest. I have to be the, become the biggest dealer. I got to yeah. create the biggest delivery ring. I felt like existed. I was watching like at one point like the like uh, Sinaloa. Like when I was watching Narcos at yes. one point, and then they were bringing the different parts of you know Mexico together. Like this is the Sinaloa team. This is the team. This is this team, and they're coming mm. together, and we're gonna work together. I think I'm at the part right now where you have brought some people together and also you are better at maybe selling it because they're older maybe they're not as good looking or whatever it was the situation and I was like this remind like this is this is like you're becoming the godfather it was very in that, that situation yes. I felt like I did see a movie or a TV show uh -huh. scene it's like know? gay Breaking Bad yeah uh, and that was actually one of my qualms with break uh, not qualms uh but my qualms with with the um, amount of stories that are out there regarding crystal meth is mm -hmm. like we got a a, a comprehensive uh, dive into where it comes from and how it's made mm -hmm. uh, with via Breaking Bad and the criminal apparatus that allows it to be disseminated mm -hmm. and created, but we don't really get much lens into the individuals that are affected by it, the users yeah. and the addicts. Um, and so that's that's what I aimed to do with the book. It's what I'm aiming to do with a, a, a television show adaptation yeah. of it, is yeah. to really get into the nuance of uh, who, who are these individuals that choose uh, or succumb, mm -hmm. it really is probably the better verb, uh, to this type of addiction. What kind of trauma and pain uh, from what kind of background, you know, ends up here? Because it really doesn't discriminate. I mean, you can be you can be from anywhere. Uh, but there, there's usually some common threads, though. Yeah. Uh, shame is usually one of the biggest ones. Yeah. No, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think that's really important to highlight the embodied experiences because then we can really understand like what types of things play roles into what trauma is still seated in someone where 
they look for, you know, these places to heal? And then also, how can our system be better to help them stay healed? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, because I'm sure people have to deal with different inequities that they face. Like, what if you did time? Then you get out. And then life is really hard when you get out. And then those challenges in the six-month period you're talking about and then the realities of life. Totally. And one of the things that's really hit me since I went back in this past January and I visited with a lot of the characters in the book, mm-hmm. uh, you know, former colleagues, friends, if you will, mm-hmm. although uh, friends is a loose term for the most part, but um, but they were friends back then. Um, and I wanted to see them and look them in the eye and read them chapters from the book that talk about them and, yeah. l- and hear, let them hear it from my own lips instead yeah. of finding out later what what it was said about them and just be honest and, and you know they're they're human beings that are either suffering an addiction or choosing because in some cases uh it really is that people have had some people choose to stay in it because that is their whole world uh they don't know anything outside of it they've been smoking meth and in this pmp world for decades they're all they're all their whole community is there all their friends are there and there's nothing for them on the other side and able to navigate so gracefully like sometimes some of these people surge like some of the clout fucking terrifying involved i was like i'm just i who knows who's been doing meth there is one person in the book 20 years you had mentioned they'd been doing it yeah the one who had mentioned when they liked it when it was called crank yes uh i believe him to be a he was a doctor or a surgeon or something like that and i was just like wow like the diversity in all different types of people the drug doesn't discriminate but how people are able to just keep living yeah. and like and speaking of that that's what what concerns me the most right right now even more than giving people uh the support to get out is the is those that that because it's there, uh, and especially especially in San Francisco, th- there is a lot more outreach uh, and uh, uh, programs that will give you a bed. You know, sober living communities. Mm-hmm. There, there, there is resource for that. I, what I want them to be doing is raising the consciousness around Narcan and mm-hmm. handing it out to addicts because. Yeah how pervasive fentanyl has become. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in the crystal, it's in the cocaine. I mean, like, I'm so glad that I only smoke weed now yeah. because, and I get it from a dispensary, like, yeah. because I would be terrified to still be addicted to hard drugs with knowing that fentanyl is in everything now and it could just, I mean, I've heard so many horror stories of people that I knew from that world that, you know, did a line of, yeah. of what they thought was ketamine or, or whatever. And so scary. Dead. I guess on that note, what are your thoughts on some people? Um, I've heard some people being hesitant or resisting the idea of having Narcan being as accessible in places because in their mind they feel yeah, like that's promoting yeah. doing drugs. But really, I mean – so what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean on it's, that? it's it's uh, an outdated, uneducated, uneducated, socially conservative mindset that is uh, not igno- once again like would rather just like turn a blind eye to the reality and uh, you know it's the the circumstances correct. Uh, people are going to be using like oh we need to be hitting it from both sides. Like mm-hmm. we have to try to keep those. Uh, but then again, you know, some I've heard conservatives also say like. Uh, you know what? They want to do drugs and kill themselves. Let, in fact, it's even better. Like uh, so, there's yeah. there's a lot of of um, 
cold-hearted lack of of empathy going on around that mentality and i think that that's actually what they are thinking when they're yeah. saying when they're saying oh no it's going to promote drug use i think what they I think that they would rather just them drop dead because they see them as degenerates and not humans. And that, and I've, I, I hate to say it, but I've been around conservatives that that vocally are at least honest to me about that. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I'll give you credit for being for being honest that that's how you actually feel. Yeah. You're a piece of shit otherwise. But yeah, that's um, just language they're using to not be called out for the asshole that they are. Correct. In that situation. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, but no, I think Narcan needs to become much more accessible uh, uh, nowadays. The fentanyl thing really freaks me the fuck out. Yeah, well, well, it is really fucking scary. Even in prison. Even, like, it's getting everywhere. There was, like, I think 13 ODs at a jail recently just mm. on fentanyl. But um, I guess back to another question I had sure. in regards to um, the relationship with drugs and sex. Do you feel like the extended use of um, any drugs and while participating in sex and finding, um, you know, f- coming while high, have you found that now your sexual expression, not expression, let me, how do I phrase this? Do you feel fucking is different now totally. that you're sober? And if so, how so? Yeah, totally do. Uh, I've struggled immensely with uh being able to find enthusiasm around it because i rewired my brain to enjoy that kind of barbaric mm-hmm. anonymous sex with with people that i didn't care about mm-hmm. uh so disconnecting something that's inherent like you you know you should maybe not say should but um it is a healthy expression of love to have sex, right? Or, yeah. or affection or intimacy. And I was exclusively doing the opposite for so long mm-hmm. that uh, to have sex with somebody that I care about dramatically, intimately, uh, became difficult to yeah. to find arousal. Like I would, I would still enjoy the physical act of it, enjoy the fact that we did it, but that like... You know, that gusto around it is hard to find when you've reallocated it to this other sect of individuals and and activities Mm -hmm. uh, that are intertwined with chemicals and, you know, other other featurettes, too, you know, poppers and porn. And, like, I go into all of the accoutrement of the world. And that's not exclusive to crystal meth and party and play. I mean, that's that's just very much uh, gay culture in general. Um, We have all these little... These little props and, yeah. and such. Um, and I've learned, you know, uh, I'm learning, I should say, that that I can reincorporate some of the aspects. Like, for a while, I was like, well, no cock rings, no no anything that I saw in Tweaker World. Like, I can't have that in my yeah. in my, in my life anymore. No grinder, no... Th- like, I now just have to get... slowly... Slowly being able to incorporate this and that and, uh, and coming back to um, a healthy place. Of, it's a challenge, though, you know. I... I I just took almost a year and a half off from having sex mm-hmm. just because it was not calling me. And I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to, I don't really want to pursue casual sex anymore. I'd rather wait till I find somebody I care about. Yeah. But that person wasn't coming along anyways. I did I did recently just actually have some Good casual sex. But uh, thank you. And I had a good time. And, so, and it was really eye-opening. I was like, oh, I can still enjoy this. And in yeah. fact, like, maybe I even want to have a threesome again. Like, yeah. uh, like, like getting back to my roots. Yeah. Uh, before, before it was all tainted. Before I turned it, um, before I perverted it all with, yeah. with the chemicals. Because even the idea of people watching, I find very 
sexy. Yeah. So you can get, you know, oh, you can have valley. people watching again one day. Absolutely. Know? I yes. I yes. like that idea of of because you know we feel things where the thing is absent, and then now slowly you're reintegrating those things to separate the relationship to Tweaker World, which mm-hmm. I think is is great for you. That's yeah, awesome. it's a journey, but um, boy, has it been, it's been like six or seven years since I've been out of it now. Wild. Time yeah. flies. Yeah. Mm. Right? Especially, I can't believe that it has been that long. So what do you find now that with this new lifestyle of post-Tweaker World, mm-hmm. what do you find that you're most... Uh, appreciative I, I guess in this part of your life uh that that experience led you to see more clearly oh sure um you know oddly enough i really came into my queerness more um i was such a snob before tweaker world of like <laughs> you know i don't listen to pop music i don't i don't, I don't watch like I, I didn't want to be a basic gay like, meth, uh, you're like meth really humbled me. Well, in some ways, it it brought me together with more gay people than I have ever mm-hmm. been around, and and it also uh, it just like pushed aside some of the these preconceived notions I had about my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other side of it, I was like, wait, I was enjoying listening to pop music and like and being with all these fags uh, in Tweaker World. I can still do that just without the Tweaker aspect, yeah. and so it really did. Um, and then also having so much sex, um, it it really opened me up in certain ways as well mm-hmm. too. Um, Your sexual renaissance. It really was, and it was, and I have to say, I had a lot of fun while I was there. Uh, not to say that that it was worth it necessarily. I don't yeah. think that everybody should <laughs> dabble in that world, but like. Um, but I do think a lot that, that a lot of people should try having a lot of sex. Maybe yeah. just without the It can challenge <laughs> some of these stigmatizations that people are feeling or mm-hmm. some shame if you, you know, do it more. You want to feel comfortable with being like, it's daytime, the lights on, and here's my butthole. Very that. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, that's <laughs> <laughs> Where can we use that quote? T-shirt, right. something. I don't know. I'm gonna make it a bumper sticker. Please. It's <laughs> too I much road on. rage going on, oh my right? God, hello. <laughs> so getting high from the butt. <laughs> That's one thing I guess I'm wondering because you I... look so delighted to ask that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you know how like they'll, they'll you'll see uh, on the news like some frat boy dies from like butt chugging or whatever. It's yeah. because the blood vessels are so concentrated. In the anus, that you can get so much drunker or higher, more intoxicated uh, by absorbing it in that way. And so, yes, they would, they would do, uh, they would like get a lube shooter. They, oh, I, I did goodness. it too, um, and water down the yeah. crystal meth and then shoot it up your ass. Yeah. I mean, it, and it would get you so fucking crazy high. Oh my god, I could only so. It's an I, insane thing to do, though. Here's a question then. How about if someone? Okay, this might make me sound so dumb. What if someone gets high and then comes in your ass? Oh, so Could I don't know about. I don't. That's a good question. I don't know about the cum aspect, but there was a. Uh, they would do pissing. So like, yeah. people that would shoot meth. Uh, we, would get way higher than than any other people, and I never did. Mm-hmm. I, I made the choice. I was told by somebody I really trusted in that world, uh, like don't ever slam. Slam is the term they use to, for injection. Okay. Don't ever slam. If you slam, you're in the world for life. Is mm-hmm. what he said to me. So I so knowing that I stayed away from that uh, form, uh, but people that would do it would get so fucking high that 
they would pee inside of another person's ass and that would replicate it. And I never I never partook in this particular exchange of yeah. of, of of fluids. Yeah. Um but my understanding was that it was out of this world. Wow, crazy. I'm just amazed at our bodies on how how nuts? our filtration system. Like I thought I can't believe that you could, and, and it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense given how expensive things are. I mean, you know, it's... Yeah, when I was when I was working on the book back, uh, I told you I was, like, working with a conservative Trump-loving lunatic mm -hmm. um, outside of Philadelphia, <laughs> and he, I let his wife read an early draft because I was curious. I wanted to see what somebody who watches Tucker Carlson every night yeah. and, uh, and you know, it was raised uh, Catholic and all these things would, what her impressions of the book would be. Yeah. And, she, and he says, well, she woke me up in the middle of the night last night and it was just, they pee in each other. They pee in each other. <laughs> just like losing her fucking mind. I thought you were going like, to say, well, she woke me up in the middle of the night and asked me to pee in her. Oh my God. Yeah, no, she ain't that cool. Um, oh my God. I was like, wow. Wow, you've converted them. That Look at so what your writing is doing. <laughs> Just one conservative household at a time. Now everyone's pissing in each other. That's great. So I guess then another question I wanted to ask, some of the language was really new to me that um, I hear. Uh, and so one question in regards to referring to different types of gay men, there were different terms. Oh, yeah. Um, I heard <laughs> bears, wolves, cubs. Giraffe. Giraffe. Mm, the tall but, ones. But then there's twink. How come everything is an animal and then twink? I know. There's also twunk, which is a uh, twink hunk. It's like a, a a muscly twink. So first explain twink. I don't, listen. What I, is twink? I, first explain, I can't believe the onus is on me to explain twink <laughs> in the world. Um, I don't know where the fucking term came from. It is a funny term though. Uh, you know, it, it, twink means a skinny, usually less, uh, not that hairy uh, gay man. Okay. Not necessarily gay either. Actually, I've heard people refer feminine to- Feminine performing a little bit? Not necessarily feminine okay. either. But, but by the way, I did learn one recently that a very feminine top is a blouse. Oh. That one really got me. Oh. That me. <laughs> I know that the, name, the naming thing is funny. I was working uh, in real estate in Philadelphia when I was writing this book and I-, I worked with this very conservative guy who who was by the way obsessed with all the gay culture uh, tidbits like he would ask me a million because you know uh, they think they're they think that they're conservative but really they're they're curious humans yeah. too i'm like uh, which one got, are you he was trying to figure it yeah, out yeah yeah well and he he was obsessed with all all the terms um and was like well what's what's this otter thing I'm like one well, otter is the is like a twink but hairy and i'm like okay. oh, I'm, a, I'm an otter and he, he just thought it was like he also thought it was like hypocrisy that that um queer people are are like we don't want labels and yeah. then and then to have all these labels I feel I have run into most that. Of what are you... Most yeah. of it's for funny. Most of it's most of it's for shits and giggles. Uh, to be able to to yeah to to laugh about it. Um, yeah. But also to be able to understand like people are into certain people are into bears. You know like, yeah. like and that's uh, and without having to say like oh I'm into like plus size hairy men. Uh, you know I'm into bears. What is a giraffe? Giraffe's just a tall a tall gay. A tall, gay. tall gay. Okay. <laughs> 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 makes it, sense. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> okay, and uh, and an, so now that you brought up otter, I remember in the book you were talking about some insecurity you had with your body hair. Yeah. And how this experience helped you in some way. Yeah, I actually 
feel way sexier now. Yeah. Um, having uh, again, a I hairy don't booty. You're like, look at my butt in you the know, sunshine. Oh my god. You know, I, I tend, I tend to. I'm getting real personal. I tend to shave it. Though, okay. When, okay. If I'm like, if I'm and sexually that's all right. active, yeah. but my legs, my legs are super hairy, as you can see here yeah. on YouTube. Hello, YouTube people. Um, <laughs> and uh, but yes, it's it's taken me a long time to accept. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was the first kid in middle school that was hairy, and mm. I just like felt a lot of shame and embarrassment around it. Um, but I, I, as an Indian woman, I felt that too when I was you younger. I, yeah. <laughs> Indian girls, where my eyebrows started growing into one very quickly, and it was like, why am I getting so hairy so young? And, right. You know. Um. And and that's what's so great about about the internet age that we're in now, the TikTok age of like, it, I feel like so many of these things uh, are destigmatized. Yeah. And, and and you find like, oh no, there's a lot of people that actually think it's really hot. Like, yeah. like, uh, like oh, people love my bushy eyebrows. Yeah. You know, like, there, there's, it's just. There's uh, wisdom in those eyebrows. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so I wonder, now that you said you shaved, have you ever waxed? Have you ever waxed that area? I, haven't my 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 writing partner does though okay. constantly and he likes it <laughs> yeah i love it i recently just started getting waxed and i'm not saying that i have hair growing out of my butthole it's not but you know when you spread cheeks a little bit yeah, yeah. you see some hair in there of course. and so i've started getting waxed and i i feel so fucking confident so right Maybe now I you said you shaved your butt i'm like damn right because I love it when I'm yeah. freshly waxed. I'm like, who's eating this? You oh, know? my God. I love that. Um, <laughs> I thought I was asking my writing partner recently. I was like, well, why don't I just do electrolysis? I was like, you have money. Why don't you just do that? And he was like, I actually like the feeling of it, uh, of going in there. He's got like a sexy man that does it for him. Like, yeah, we but have conversation. Me, but me, I'm like a permanent solution guy. Like, yeah. I've had I've had three hair transplants yeah. since, I, since I left, since I got clean. Like on the other side of the of it, I was like, you know what? I got over meth and and sex addiction. I'm gonna I'm not gonna be bald now. And yeah. I I've had three hair. So I'm like a permanent solution kind of guy. I'm like I'm like if I were to start augmenting my face, which I don't think I will, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, like I'm I. People are like, well, let's just do Botox. I'm like, mm, temporary? Nah, not for me. You're a businessman. Like, <laughs> yeah. Why am I going to spend this money to have solution. to spend it again over and over again? Exactly. So maybe I'll look into some acid electrolysis. Yeah. I like. How much does that cost? I don't know. That'd be a job though, right? She'd be like right there with your with your booty just literally getting to know all of you. <laughs> I love where this conversation is going. <laughs> all right. Chemsex. That was another term. Chemsex is just while using. Chemsex is just the the generic term for party and play. Okay. It's it's more often used in the UK. There is a fantastic Audible original podcast called White Smoke that I'm interviewed on the eighth episode quite uh, prom predominantly, and I um, prominently is the word I think I was looking for there. Um, and it is about Ed Buck, who was a wealthy Democratic political donor and rich man in WeHo, who uh, white older white man yeah. who was fetish would fetishize young black gay men and have them in his home and shoot them up with crystal meth and several of them overdosed and two of them died and one of them escaped and when the third one escaped they went to the police and finally uh, after a lot of protests uh, to because the police were covering it up for a while they finally went after him and he was held accountable for his murders and uh, that's what this podcast details is is the the Ed Buck case and who Ed Buck was because honestly, there's a lot of Ed Bucks out there. 
And um, in fact, I have a phone call on my drive down to LA after this with a mother of somebody who died of a G overdose in San Francisco at a wealthy man's house. And it was uh, covered up by the police as well, um, according to her. So um, there's a lot of these cases going on and situations going on. Uh, how did I end up on? Oh, so uh, the, the, oh, right, chemsex. You just, um, so on that podcast, for example, because the journalist who hosts it is British, you'll hear him say chemsex. So I try to represent the ter- two different terminologies. In America, it's usually called party and play, PMP. Mm-hmm. In in Europe, they usually lend uh, to the term. All right, chemsex. yeah, bringing the international. So mm-hmm. have you, in this period of time with Tweaker World, did you go internationally? Did you ever do meth uh, in a different space, or was oh, it always yeah, no, in I the never U.S.? Did. No, I yeah, I, I've never done meth outside of outside of this I've, I've done other drugs in, in Europe but not yeah <laughs> okay yeah I guess I was wondering the the parties uh, what was the vibe on an international level how did they how did that scene differ um, then or did you just go to any orgies without the t- without the meth in, in an international way have you ever I have yeah okay tell to, me go, about I it I used to go to sex parties or like sex clubs in yeah. Amsterdam and Paris yeah but I would I would pretty much be doing cocaine usually or 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 very drunk yeah. uh, but usually it was i would find cocaine uh so i was doing the party and play world for many years before i incorporated meth like i was mm-hmm. doing it with other stimulants is uh, the scene different in in paris and amsterdam as opposed to here yeah it it, it, it it's it feels it feels more um mainstream to be honest it, oh, wow. it feel, feel here it feels more hidden hidden yeah uh you know it, the the uh more like zombies in the dark and yeah. as opposed to uh, in Europe, it's a little more openly talked about. Because maybe how they look at sex even. Yeah, and, and even just like trying to get, um, if, if when I was trying to get it published uh, and I was researching publishers, I almost wanted to find a literary agent and a publisher in the UK because mm-hmm. when you looked at all the media coverage, mm-hmm. there was almost nobody in the States that was covering the party and play epidemic. Yeah. But in the UK, Tons, tons yeah. of coverage. They just like are less prudish about it. They were more, more open about discussing it. Fuck, you know, and that just holds why. us back here because how many people are getting the lack of insight just hurts people. It's like when we think about HIV and AIDS and yeah. how Australia was on the forefront of yeah. figuring that out, and we were just denying shit here, mm-hmm. and how it just hurts the gay community. Very much, uh, and that's one of the one of the main reasons I was insistent on getting the book out there, and one of the main reasons, like I had a, a lawyer review it, and he was like, you know, you probably are okay, but at the same time, you should probably publish it as a novel. And I was uh, and fictionalize it, or at least say it's fiction. And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing that because yeah. you you put out a novel about it, and it's like, well, look what could happen. It's like, no, 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 bitch. This is what did happen. Yeah. This is this is what is happening. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> I knew there was risk involved. Like I, I knew that that there was always the chance that I could suffer some sort of consequence legally mm-hmm. from the things that I confessed to doing. But I thought that that was more important uh, to, yeah. to get the story out there and let people know that this is authentic, this is genuine, this happened, mm-hmm. uh, than to try to cover my ass completely. Yeah. Has anything come up? Has anybody no. approached you with legal things? Since? Luckily not. That's great. Yeah. Yes. Um, fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, so fingers are staying crossed. Uh, it's also very difficult... Difficult to, my understanding uh, from the lawyers I've spoken to, it's very difficult to bring charges uh, without actually catching somebody in the act of it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why, you know, most 
big uh, drug lords, if you will, uh, go down because of raids, mm -hmm. uh, controlled buys, which I go into in the book of, as to what those are. Um, and luckily, I just got out of it before yeah. before that was able to come down on me. Yeah, um, that's great that you didn't get caught up in that situation. Yeah. What a nice getaway. I mean, truly. I, I got a DUI at the very end. I'm, I'm, I'm spoiling things at the end of the book. But, but it, yeah, to, that was like a night in jail. Well, and then, like, you know what? I'm glad. With, I'm happy with that ending instead of you is something worse happening to you. Yeah. So. Um, and I'm doing my, my damnedest on this side to, like, pay for it. You know, uh, the thing I'm most proud of is that, and this is also why I failed as a drug dealer, is that mm -hmm. I never got violent. I was, I was insistent. Like, people were like, you have to to hire security, you have to uh, get a gun, you know, you, yeah. you need to defend yourself. And people started, you're, you're about in the part of the book where people are going to start coming for me left and yeah. right. And uh, and I let them come because, yeah. and they, I was violated and, and beaten up mm. and held at gunpoint. All kinds of things occurred to me and I didn't fight back because I knew that if I, if I started to become violent, there was no coming back from it. Like, that's, that's, once you start like having guns, like that's when they really get, set their sights on you. And and I also didn't want to be somebody who, you know, you're defending yourself. All of a sudden, I shoot somebody in the chest. I mean, yeah. like, like I'm a murderer. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't handle and that. And you showed that throughout the book, also, just like your way of thinking. Like I also, you were very, you acknowledged a lot of inequities in different groups. That's one thing I recognized. Oh, you mentioned like racism and different things in the community, and yeah. you know. I, I respected that. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. It, I mean, it was a very white world that mm -hmm. I was in. Um, not all tweaker worlds are, but yeah. like the one that I, the San Francisco's, happens to be quite white. So, moving on to our last question. Sure. Um, uh, what I ask everyone before they leave is, how can someone, anyone, a partner, friends, family, how can someone better love you? Hmm. Oh my. Um I would say I really love when somebody takes control. I'm such a type A individual. Like I'm like I'll, I'll plan the meals, I'll, I'll I'll you know, uh I'll clean the house. I I'm I'm very domestic. Like to have somebody uh, be like, no, you're coming over for dinner. I'm making like a three three course meal, and like to, to love me via my own love language, the way that I usually express it to somebody else. I really dig that, uh, uh, where I don't have to do all the things that I normally do, and, and I feel just very taken care of in that way. Um, I, I love I love I that. love that. Could you see how much I love it? I, I, feel, I, mean, yeah, I, yeah. I love exactly what you're saying because you I feel, I felt that I I feel I'm that type A type two, and so. Yeah. Uh, I understand that. Totally that. Um, and then just accepting my sense of humor uh, and and letting me be, be uh, say stupid shit. Yeah. Uh, and enjoy it. You know, yeah. Being able to, being able to laugh laugh at things. Uh, you know, I, I, I tend to be pretty sarcastic and um, and I've had partners that like didn't didn't love that, and I'm like, I don't feel like you love me right now. Yeah. <laughs> then so yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Be able to laugh about shit. Yeah, you That's have good. to. So say, please tell me your social medias. Um, oh so yeah, so I don't follow. do Twitter, but um, at Jason Yamas, Y A M A S on Instagram. Uh, you can find me there. I'll, I, I'll give updates. Hopefully, I'll 
have updates about this book or a TV iteration or my next book that I'm working on, other things. Dream person to play you in your uh, show. If uh, you, if you know, we're thinking big. Uh-huh, dream person to play me. Um, you know, I really love Lucas Gage. Okay, he's, okay. He's, he's really beautiful and talented. Yeah. I love him. Uh, and who'd play your mom? Oh, the boy, we've had some conversations about that. Um, what is her name? Uh, Jennifer Esposito. I re I like her. She might okay. be. She might be a little young to play my mom, unless 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 somebody Lucas's age played me. Um, I, I she's got some Italian spunk. All right. Uh, to her. Uh, yeah. Good question. You hear that, though. Jennifer? She's probably listening to I'm this sure podcast. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'd be calling you, Jennifer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for so much for having opening me. up and sharing so much of your life when writing this book and sharing what's happening and enlightening me. And uh, which is listen, really it's the first podcast I've done about this book where we've talked that much about buttholes and and coming in asses and all sorts of. You know, this is this is what the fun of doing a podcast with a comedian. So, That's what we do here. We yeah. talk about buttholes. <laughs> well, I'm here for it. So thank you everyone for listening and thank clean you. your butts. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you again for tuning in to Mouthful with Shanti. If you haven't already, follow us. Please give us a five-star rating. It really helps us out. And please donate. We're like NPR of the streets over here. We're just out here collecting tips so we can keep making this show go. If you're enjoying it and you're enjoying me and you're enjoying our guests, show it through the Venmo. Love y'all.